The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode... I think she got me into the bathroom for some reason, I don't know, but she was trying to get Lucas out of me, and if she wasn't beside me that nice, I would have died. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. What is happening? Welcome back to the Insulone Podcast. And as always, thank you for joining me for another episode. I hope you had an amazing break over the festive period. I hope you've had an unreal new year and I hope you're all set for 2022. Whatever that might bring for you. I hope you're feeling excited going into the new year. As excited as I am because I like to keep myself as as excited as possible. So this week... The guest that I have is Mr. Dermot Ryle. He has been living with type 1 diabetes for over 27 years, and he was diagnosed at the age of six. He has a very touching and interesting theory around how and why he was originally diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, which he gets into in more detail in the episode. Dermot is from Kilkenny. Well, just outside Kilkenny City. And for anyone who doesn't know where that is geographically in Ireland, it is southeast of the country. Really nice spot. Highly recommend going if you haven't been. Dermot is a dairy farmer and an AI technician. And he talks about his experiences as a child living with type 1 diabetes, his experience working on the farm, dealing with lows, drinking alcohol, and much, much more. I will tell you in advance, there may be a few curse words. This is a family show. So I'm putting an imaginary parental advisory sticker on this episode, just to warn you in advance. So please enjoy this chat with Dermot. So look, Dermot, again, like I said to you, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate you taking the time. And I really appreciate you taking the time knowing that you have COVID right now. So... How would you rate yourself out of 10 in terms of how you're feeling right now? 10 being, I'm feeling great. Um, I'd say about six, six, seven, you know. Um, my appetite isn't great um, and I'm 
still able to work, which I'm very glad for, but uh, just not feeling great, just kind of a little bit run down. But then again, if COVID wasn't around and I was feeling like I was feeling, I'd just be say I have a bit of a head cold. But the voice is kind of, the throat is a little bit off a bit. And I was walking around the fields there yesterday and I thought I was a little bit more out of breath than I should be. But maybe a little bit paranoid about it too. Like, you know, maybe she just get on with it. Like, you know, and I, I feel fine and it doesn't affect the blood sugars. So that's a major thing. And I know you were saying it did affect your blood sugars, but I think with the new American, I, I don't think, um, I'm maybe I'm a little bit glad that it, it, it doesn't affect me that much. And if it was a massive infection that I had inside me, that it, it, it would affect the blood sugars. And it's not affecting the blood sugars. So I'm okay. Well, that's good. Happy to hear it. And even just that you mentioned that, so different to my experience. I know I had it back yeah. In, yeah. in October, but my in terms of like how I felt physically, I actually felt grand. I felt fine. But my blood sugars were a nightmare. Yeah. And even like I, I I still am under the impression that my bloods aren't fully back to the way they were. My insulin to carb ratio had changed, my my basal rates had changed. So it was it was just like I was managing my diabetes each day completely blind because it was yeah. almost just yeah. a, a guessing game because I felt as if yeah. it was yeah. changing each day. And have yeah, you noticed I... that at all? Um, not not with this. I had before when I was sick with, you know, you'd come down with the flu or uh, whatever had happened with you. Um, it, it would it, it would spike um, any uh, it'd spike any part of the daytime for no reason. It is not as frustrating as when it happens when it spikes like that for no reason. And um, but with this, I'm I have to admit I'm fine. You know, the only problem I have is that I can't go into anyone or talk to anyone and have to you know stay away. But I. Compared to what I know anyone else is going through, I, I'm very lucky. I'm out in the country. I can, I can, I can kind of, I can walk outside. I can do my my jobs down the yard. There's no one around. No one can come near me. So, you know, I, I am lucky that way. But it, it was it, well. I I failed two antigen tests. I I didn't. I'm waiting for a PCR. Uh, I don't know should I even go for a PCR, but uh, I, I I ran about anyway. So. Hopefully, um, uh, I'll get that, and you know. But sure, like I, I know I have it. Just stay away from everyone, I suppose. Well, look, Lisa, I'm giving you company right now. We can chat. We can chat today. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <I'll> just... <laughs> yeah. No, sure. I, I, if it, and to have it at this time of the year for me personally, anyway, work wise, it, it's very quiet at this time of the year. So. I do have time, um, so it's it's nice to um, the, you 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 wouldn't have I wouldn't have that much work to do um, every day. Um, but when it comes to February, March, April, May, I've been very very busy. So how will that ramp up for you then? Come February, in terms of work. Uh, well, I am I'm dairy farmer, so the, the cows will calf I suppose the next three weeks, and then that's when you know you. That's sometimes you you'd be getting up at four o'clock in the night time, maybe to calf a cow, and then you mightn't go back to bed. You might just stay up, then milk them, milk the rest of the cows, and you're you're scraping cubicles, um, you're bedding calves, and you're 
tagging calves, dehorning calves, uh, um, clearing out cow pens. And it's just very, very physically draining. And then you come up to the house then to eat something and you'd, you'd nearly chew the corner off the table. You'd be so hungry and tired, you know, and then you'd go back down again and you'd be, you'd lose, I'd lose a lot of weight during the calving season. But then it would it would ease off a bit maybe then and you and some calves that you want to sell on, you bring them into the market and the kind of the, the work kind of eases off a bit and the days get a bit longer and the weather gets better and cows can grow and grass then and it eases a little bit. But I'm an AI technician, so I, I artificial uh, artificially assimilate uh, cows for other farmers. So I have a, a pot and it's full of liquid nitrogen and these little straws and I um I, I I get their cows and calf and that's a very intense work from maybe the middle of April to the first of June. I kind of drags on a little bit then into July, August, but that's basically what I do. So you're but a busy man in the sounds of it. Yeah, it'd be very it'd be very intense work. So I I you know, you'd have to have yourself rice blood sugars you know they do go low sometimes do have to treat them you know uh, it's 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 heavy going yeah it's heavy going it's physically uh drain and work so you could you, you could be fine for just say now and then you could be doing something very strenuous and in a half an hour time you could have low blood sugars and you know band straight away you, you, you gotta sort it out have you found that when you're doing so much more physical work around the farm, you're obviously having a lot more lows because you're moving around so much and you're you're doing so yeah, much of that physical work? Definitely. Do you find yeah. as though does your diabetes ever kind of get in the way of that because you're moving around so much, you're doing so much physical work, inevitably probably leading to more low blood sugars? It does, yeah. I mean, it's very easy for the diabetic nurses to say reduce the basal when you're doing um high activity but it's when you're kind of doing a job i suppose some days it's very strenuous other days it might be that bad it's it's whatever kind of comes in front of you so it's very difficult it's easy to say oh if you're if you're doing a lot of work reduce the basal race for that day you know but it's you don't know what that day is going to be um, mm. You know, I, I could I could have I could have a day where you know there could be and I could have to lift two or three baby calves from the end of a shed uh, in a wheelbarrow, and the baby calf is trying to get up and follow the wheelbarrow and covered in muck and <laughs> shite, and you have to pick her up and pour back into the wheelbarrow, bring her up to the shed, and then give her the beast and the first milk and you know you have to do all those things it's just really heavy and and, and that 20 30 minutes of lifting and dragging and pulling would knock you back from blood sugars of 7 or 8 to 2.8 it could just knock you back so far that's that physical work you know it just it could knock you back that much and you wouldn't realise you have to do it until you walk into the shed and you see it in the corner you know so at that time of the year, I just kind of have lupus bottles around, you know, and I just, if I get the low blood sugars, I drink half a bottle and five minutes or so, I'm back again. That's basically it. Mm. 
So is there anything that you do, I suppose, differently around that time of year when you know you're going to be super busy on the farm? I would have reduced the base of race um, coming into it. You know, I, I, I would. I, I, I'd say I, my, my average base of race would be maybe 0.55 an hour or something like that. But, you know, I, I would go down to 0.30. That would be the way. Or that that's the way I I'd look at it anyway, my, my own point of view. But uh, I wouldn't um I'd I'd have a good breakfast in the morning time. And that'd be the one thing I would It'd be ready break. And I always have porridge. Um and during the daytime then maybe about uh, I'd be working right up to two or three o'clock. You know, and I come inside, I'd be absolutely starving. I shouldn't be coming in two or three o'clock. I should be coming in around if I was if I had a breakfast at eight o'clock, I should be coming in at twelve o'clock, half twelve for some tweets. I don't. I'll come in at half two, three o'clock maybe. Um that's wrong, but I do it anyway. And I d I I'd eat something. Uh, then uh that even then I might come in then around eight, half eight. This is during the intense period of time mm. and uh, I'd come in then and I'd, I'd eat something again and and I'd have the the, the camera on my phone the cow was going to calf and next thing she'd be about to calf and I'd, I'd go back down again but most nights I'd be so bloody tired I, I, I'd fall asleep and I wouldn't be able to wake up and I'd, I'd, I'd walk down to the shed I'd, I'd, I'd look at the camera on the phone dreading what's going to happen and there's the cow and the calf and they're, they're both fine. That's after happening so many times to me. I've been blessed with luck, definitely blessed with luck. So how many cows and calves at a time could you potentially be needing to look after? Because it sounds as if you're you're looking at your camera on your phone when you go to bed. It's like a newborn baby in the house having to constantly monitor. Yeah, well, um, I... I I wouldn't have, like, I, I have a small number of cows compared to the other farmers around. Like, I, I'd only have 50 cows, calf now 50 cows. So I'd have the AI job as well. So that's a that's a big help. But you know, most farmers around me here in this area anyway would, would have 100 plus cows, 120, 130. And, and they have help every year. And they, they have to. You, if you had that number, they, they, they'd have their... They'd have their fathers there to help them, and they'd, they'd, they'd have paid workers there. Um, but uh, I just try and kind of do as much as I can on my own. And if if maybe if I was under a little bit of pressure, maybe on a Saturday, I might have a young lad there that might you know, clean out a shed or something like that. But um, I, I just kind of do most of it myself. So that'd be the thing you'd have to look after yourself obviously you know yourself to, you know checking the blood sugars keeping them right because if you're if you're not feeling right you can't do anything and mm. as simple as that like you just can't do anything i think that's a big part of i suppose being involved involved in physical work is the idea of i'm not just sitting at a desk all day i can't always be constantly looking at my blood sugar or monitoring my blood sugar as i might like to and sometimes, obviously, if you're doing all that physical work, your bloods are going to be a lot more inclined to drop. And it's funny, it reminds me of, I'm not now in any way comparing this to, to working on a farm, but when I'm going to train or when I'm doing exercise, because I know that I'm going to train or do exercise, I can kind of preempt those highs or lows and yeah. make an adjustment prior to it. Whereas yeah. the example that I always think of is, 
anytime I clean my car, now I don't do it probably regularly enough, but anytime I clean my car, I'm still moving around. I'm still being active. And sometimes that movement and activity leads me to having a low blood sugar because I yeah. haven't necessarily treated it as quote unquote exercise and made yes. the necessary adjustments yeah. prior to it. Would that be similar to you on the farm? It would. I mean, I'm, I know you, you, you go to the gym a lot yourself and a lot of people do. Um, but like, I mean, if, if you have to pick up a, a 70 kilo calf over your shoulder at the end of a shed <laughs> and walk it for maybe a hundred yards and other cows poking off you and her mother poking you up the backside while you're taking away my baby calf, you, it, maybe that's as good as a, a session in the gym. I don't know, but uh, it's certainly, it takes it over you. And, and, you know, you know and, and you don't expect it either these things um, like when, when you if you're going to the gym they say for seven o'clock you know what's going to happen you know you're going to but some these days are different on, on a farm and I'm not saying that I'm as busy as all the other farmers because I, I wouldn't have the number of cows that they'd have but it would be busy um, some days and some days it mightn't be that busy and then other days you could be lifting and pulling and dragging for the whole day, and you, you would it hit you, and like you, you get a you get you, you would get a bad law, you know. Um, you, you would you'd have to have the looks ready, you'd have to be checking there, you know, you have to be checking the blood sugars. But you know, sometimes I should be checking it more, but I'd be working, I'd be working, you know, and you know yourself when you're in the middle of something, you, you kind of want to keep add, keep going, add, and um. You know, I'd be lucky enough myself, though, I, I'd be able to cut the lows pretty quickly, you know, I, because I, I, I'd be slowing down um, spraining or scraping or whatever I'd be doing. I'd be just a little bit slower and my concentration would be bad. I, that's one thing I would notice with it. My concentration would be very, very bad. and I'd know then something's up. The danger is that your blood sugars could go down so fast that you don't even realize you're low and you're going around the place. You don't know what you're at. You don't even know you have low blood sugars. That happened to me a few times over the years and it's very, very dangerous. So I'd like to think I got a lid in that now, but that, that'd be the dangerous thing really. Um, just if your blood sugars went down really, really fast and you didn't even realize that you were you, you did have low blood sugars and, and you didn't know what was going on where you were you know, I think that's what happens to people who maybe get into accidents if they have a diabetic low yeah 100% and I think what can be tricky with that and even just lows themselves is how there's a very thin line between being perfectly in range and then being low and because there's such a thin line between the two it can happen so quickly. And there's a very, very short space of time in which our bloods can have that drop. And the difference to it would be if your bloods go high and your bloods stay high, you can function a bit more for a bit longer, in my opinion. Whereas with a low blood sugar, it's just kind of like a brick hits you in the head, you know, yeah. and you're physically and mentally gone yeah. at the same time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, uh, Physically and mentally, but the dangerous part is, is just mentally. Like you just, and I, I think it's more 
you'd be so worried and you'd be thinking, I can't do this, I can't do that. I, 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 what am I going to do? And you'd be freaking out. And next thing you just drink a bit of Lucaset and five minutes later, you're like, well, it's not a big deal. Going to do that. You know, it's scary in a way. Like, but there's no point in saying, people saying, you know, look after yourself and do this and do that. Like, but no matter how well you look after yourself, you're going to get low blood sugars. You're going to have to be able to um, treat yourself. And sometimes it could hit someone that they have a low blood sugar and they're not able to treat themselves. And that's that's a reality that everyone have to, that has diabetes that, that, that have to accept that they'll need help from someone else and need people around them to know because I was very bullheaded myself when I was younger. I said, no, I'm fine, I'm grand, but I did need help. That someone did have to step in and help me or, you know, I would have been in big trouble. Yeah, there was a time or an incident that you had mentioned in one of the emails that you, you sent us. And I think it was after a night you had been out drinking or you had, you had been asleep and had a low and your girlfriend had to essentially yeah. save you. What, what were the circumstances around that? Well, I was out. I was out. My girlfriend then is my wife now. So I'm going to clear that up first. <laughs> okay. Cool. And uh, <laughs> she, she um, we were out in a, a pub anyway and uh, a nightclub or whatever was with her. And I just wasn't feeling right. I had high blood sugar. It's all nice. And I kept, as, as what you said before, I, I well, I panicked. I was giving myself insulin and it wasn't working. I don't know how many units I gave, maybe six or seven units, and it wasn't coming down. I think the blood sugar was something like 18, 20, 21. They weren't coming down. I was feeling terrible. I was drinking, but I wasn't really drinking. I was just kind of slobbering, kind of. I wasn't drunk, but just kind of sick. And um, I went home that night. Fine. You know, just went to bed. And after that, then it was just a blur. But basically, she woke up beside me, and I was struggling to breathe. I was struggling to breathe, and I kind of—I had a clue what was going on. And she lifted me up, and I think she got me out of the bed. I don't know how to this day she lifted me out of the bed because I'm six foot four, and. But she did, and she was getting lucased in me, and I know I, I think she got me into the bathroom for some reason I don't know, but she was trying to get lucased in me, and looking back and I know she should have called an ambulance, but I had said to her, if I ever get like that, don't ever call an ambulance, just give me a bottle of lucased, don't ever call an ambulance, and it was the stupidest thing I'd say. I've ever said because if you're that bad you call an ambulance and she was trying to give me a, a bottle of Lucasade she trying to open up my mouth and she was pouring it in and I even remember the sensation of the cold Lucasade going down my face I wasn't able to swallow it I remember the coldness going down by the side of my jaw going down and she I was getting some in uh, she, she was getting some in and next then um, I kind of was kind of half coming around and I asked her I said to her what, uh, what's happening I said what are you doing here she goes you have a you have a long treatment 
why am I here? Why am I in this room? And this is the, the shite I was coming out with. And then I kind of, my jaw was able to open up a little bit and I was able to drink the Lucas save myself, kind of slurring, lifting it up, drinking a little bit, lifting it up, drinking a little bit. Then I kind of came around. And that was this. Um, stayed up for a while after that, went to bed, but... If she wasn't beside me that nice, I would have died. A hundred percent. I was struggling to breathe. I didn't know where I was, no I doing. I would have died. She saved my life. You know, and I don't really think about it that much. Um, I thanked her for it, Aris, but <laughs> I don't really think about it that much. Because you know, it's just it just happened. And no matter how well you look after yourself, um, it could happen to any of us, you know, it, it, it could. And it was just drinking and I would have woke up only I had a few drinks in me and I was just in that bit of a dead sleep. And I panicked. I couldn't get the blood sugars down. They wouldn't come down. I kept feeding myself insulin. It wouldn't come down. And sure, Lord and behold, two or three hours later they all hit me like a ton of bricks and I, I went down I, I got I got too bad a low so that's something that I'd never do now again getting um, at high blood sugars waste give yourself the insulin waste if it doesn't come down you know waste then maybe treat it again but wait give it time give the insulin give it time and it will come down you know yeah big part of treating our high blood sugars in my opinion is just having that patience with our insulin and yes oftentimes including myself over the years you can be under the impression that our rapid acting or fast acting insulin should be a lot faster than it is and even from my own experience you could have a pretty stubborn pretty stubborn blood sugar and you can treat it and you could be waiting a while for it to come down and while you're waiting for it to come down, if you check again, you can be in the mindset of, oh, would I take more insulin? Would I take more insulin? Would I take more insulin? Yeah. And then yeah. what can happen is it can all, like you say, hit you at once and you can go down like a ton of bricks. I mean, I, I didn't tell anyone about that. So it was just myself and my wife that know about that. I think we told two close friends jokingly one night I made a laugh off it like but I didn't tell anyone I, I didn't tell my mother this I didn't tell my sister my two brothers over it I didn't tell any of my close friends really over it but sure I told you and 30,000 listeners so I might as well tell it pretty soon <laughs> <laughs> what better way <laughs> yeah <laughs> so do you feel then Dermot it was a combination of the fact that you had been out and you were drinking and the drinking had probably caused you to be high and then um, were you kind of rushing to get your bloods back down no um well because i was out with my girlfriend then at the time um so i wasn't drinking hard because you know <laughs> if i was with the other lads maybe it would have been a different story <laughs> but i was kind of taken handy because probably i was with her and i just was do you know i think it happens to everyone where your blood sugars are just high for I don't think you know the reason. And maybe there is a reason, but you don't know. And they were just high. And I was giving myself insulin and they just weren't going down. And then maybe 
then obviously the drink I was drinking, but wasn't drinking hard, you know. But I was still I was drunk, like you know, I was still I was drinking. I was, I was still I was still having a few, and I'd say me being getting a little bit drunk, I was a bit quicker on giving myself a bolus. I didn't have much patience anymore, and maybe that was the cause of this. But this was about about seven eight years ago. This happened. You know, about seven or eight years ago, I I I'll always remember it. You know, because it, it would, um, it does stick out. It's half the truth, and it's a near death experience. Do you think that changed anything for you in terms of how you view your diabetes, how you manage your diabetes? Yeah, I think everyone gets. Uh, I'm sorry, there's someone at the door here. Do you mind? I have You're to... fine. Take your time. Take your time. Yeah. Just sorry. I'll keep you all entertained while Dermot's gone to the door to answer whoever's at the door. So, yeah, I suppose my main takeaway from that, even just listening to the story now, is how you should always be patient when you're correcting a high. And I've kind of caught myself in a bit of trouble before too where my bloods are stubborn and we've all had those blood sugars where you're where they're they're high and they're higher than we want obviously and they just won't come down for a while and we're very quick to take more insulin because we think if i take this insulin it should bring it down it should bring it down it should bring it down and oftentimes like dermot said it hits you like a ton of bricks and then you just crash and that's obviously how he got himself into that spot of trouble there on top of drinking. So be very mindful, very, very mi- careful. You're back, Dermot. I was keeping, I was keeping uh, our listener entertained and t- telling them about my main takeaway from, from your story so far. Oh, right. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, uh, yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. So, I was asking you, do you feel that experience had changed your mentality around your diabetes or even how you manage your diabetes day to day? Yeah, it was a, it was a scare. And I think, I think anyone that's a diabetic would know every, every now and again, you'll get a scare. And I'll remind you, this is a serious illness that you have. And I think that was a scare I got. I think everyone gets a scare every now and again. And they just go like, I remember I was I was looking at this program. Um, this uh, it was it was out in twenty fifteen. This show, no, okay. this is where part of the podcast. Maybe you can get shut out. Maybe I'm trying to think of the kitchen <laughs> nightmare kitchens or Mikel something was the chef, and he wanted to get uh, lads with disabilities, people with disabilities, to cook. Um, you know, say someone that maybe would be blind or someone that might have Down syndrome or something, and he wants to get them in the kitchen and cook and serve that they can do it as much as anyone else can do it. Which, you know, he's right. But there was this lad, he was 19 and he was blind, and he had the very same way about himself as I was. He walked around the same way, talked the same way, same tall and thin like me. And they said he was blind because of diabetic retinotomy. Now, I didn't say that right, retinotomy. 
I think it's called. Retinopathy. Retinopathy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can cut that bit out as well. It's <laughs> true. Uh, it, uh, yeah, and he got that. And he looked really healthy, but he was blind. And if you saw him trying to cut up the vegetables, and he blinded, and he was bef- it was from poor diabetic management. And jeez, it, it really gave me, it really opened my eyes. Well, to see, I was lucky that I could see first off, but to see that, uh, I said to myself, you know, I, I was always a bar a couple of years in my teenage years. I almost kind of kept. Kept a close lid on it, kept, kept an anus. If it was going a little bit the wrong way, I'd, I'd bring it back, definitely, because you have to, because you, you'll get a scare. Something will happen, you'll get a scare. If you you'll hear someone that has diabetes for so many years and they had part of their, they had a toe amputated, you'll hear something that'll scare you. You'll hear someone that is in hospital and they're struggling to breathe. Something happens. They're diabetic. Poor management. You hear something that'll scare you, you know, mm-hmm. and that'll just kind of keep you going, keep you do it right, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what can be difficult sometimes about living with type one is is the idea of the fact that it's so constant. Even right now, the two of us are speaking to each other on the podcast, but. I know in the back of my head, I'm thinking, hmm, what are my blood sugars at? And you probably are too. Yeah. And, yeah. and sometimes because it's such a constant and because we always have to kind of have our diabetic hat on to, for, to use that expression, that can sometimes lead to complacency. And if it leads to complacency with our own management and we think, ah, look, I'll be fine. It's, it's fine. You're kind of, drawn back into the reality of it quite quickly when you hear about these sort of horror stories, you know, and I suppose horror stories might not be the best way to put it, but for lack of a better word, the stories that remind us of how serious potentially it can be. That was part one of my chat with Dermot. As you know, as always, if you are listening on the day of the release, part two will be out tomorrow. But if you're listening on any other day, part two is going to be the next episode on our list. So enjoy that. Thanks for listening to part one. Chat to you soon.